as a country, we're only as strong as our neighbors' ability to access care. Right now in America, even as we deal with coronavirus, 28 million people still lack health insurance. And even among those who do have insurance, 40% say they have trouble with their deductible, and more than 25% say they have delayed seeking medical care because of concerns about cost. For this show, I spoke with Emily Barson. Emily is the executive director of the United States of Care, a nonprofit trying to help enact bipartisan solutions to let every American have access to high quality and affordable health care. I was, of course, like most of you, in my home, and the recording equipment was not as good as we have at the office, and you'll hear some of that in the sound quality. Thanks, as always, to our producers, Aaron Wang and Hannah Posner, and we welcome the newest member of our production team, Brittany Barnes. Today, I'm joined by Emily Barson, who is the Executive Director of the United States of Care. That is a great name for an organization, and Emily, I'd love it if you'd tell us what your organization does. Great, thanks, um, and thanks for having me join you today. Um, United States of Care is an organization that was founded um, a little more than two years ago by a group of leaders and individuals uh, who came together around uh, the bold but uh, important mission that every American should have access to affordable health care. Uh, we believe that people are more aligned than current political rhetoric leads us to believe, and that reforms to improve the healthcare system should start with understanding and reflecting people's needs and build policies around that, and that states are in the best position to move ahead on reforms uh, that expand access to affordable care and can serve as models that will inform uh, federal action. So the idea there being, if I understand it right, to not do it from the federal level on down, but to start at the state level? Um, that's right. I mean, both are important, and um, we believe that that states are uh, well-equipped to uh, develop and pass policies that meet the needs of their state, um, and that those, um, those models can inform federal decision-making. Um, we've seen that in a number of areas uh, in the past, and um, the ability to learn from their experiences on the ground as to what works um, and have the, that evidence really uh, inform future action at the at the national and the federal level um, is really a model that we think is important, um, that states should be able to learn from each other, um, but also be able to customize solutions to what their needs are. And before the coronavirus outbreak, what would you say the major priorities or particular focuses were to get that done? Sure, I mean, you know, consistent with that, uh, that theory of change that um, states are in a position to take action now. Um, US of Care has uh, formed a number of state-based partnerships, uh, bringing together executive branch officials, legislators, advocates, stakeholders um, all around the table um, around policy changes uh, to make progress towards our goal of uh, affordable access to healthcare for everyone. Um, and before the crisis hit, uh, state legislatures across the country were in session um, considering a variety of policies to address healthcare access. Um, and uh, in addition, uh, since the start of 2020, um, until just before the public health emergency, United States of Care um, had crisscrossed the country, speaking with people about their healthcare experiences and needs. And we really heard a common theme of people feeling alone, um, you know, over 40 plus hours of conversations. Um, we learned that our current healthcare system creates and reinforces that feeling of aloneness, that there's no shared 
healthcare experiences. Um, and that's really amplified during a time of crisis. Um, but ironically, given that we're in a state of social distancing, moments like this also show us how connected we all are. Um, you know, that the, regardless of who you are or your political party, um, we're all at risk and we're all dependent on each other to keep each other healthy. You say that there's more bipartisanship around this issue than most of us are aware of. How could the public perception be so incorrect around that? You know, what we are focused on is, you know, sort of where there is, uh, where, where people are and where there's broad um, public support. You know, we do have uh, founders and uh, a network of supporters that include people from uh, various political backgrounds who have been um, officials in, in both Republican and Democratic um, at parties. But, um, you know, what, what we're focused on is not, um, you know, whether an idea comes from a Democrat or Republican, but, you know, really sort of keeping ourselves focused on the experiences that people have um, and that smart policies that really get at the heart of, of those needs. Um, and, you know, I think we also see this as a benefit to working at the state level is there's certainly um, a different uh, level of need for um, bipartisanship, for, uh, you know, sort of overcoming some of the political hurdles and ideology um, that have often uh, uh, stymied some of the federal efforts. Are some of the people that have come together from both sides people who still are needing to win a primary in their local area, or is it people who are who were formerly affiliated and now feel a little bit safer to speak up? You know, our our founders council isn't any you know aren't any current uh, elected officials, but uh, you know as we've been talking with folks, uh, working partnering with uh, folks on the ground. Um, you know, I think we've we've not uh, we're not a political organization. We've not been focused on you know the sort of electoral uh, implications or messaging. Um, and you know, we have seen uh, certainly at the state level folks coming together um, around uh, ideas to advance healthcare for the people of their states. Um, and you know, ideas regardless of which party you know sort of originated them. Can you talk about some of the founders and what their backgrounds were? Um, sure. Well, our uh, our board chair is Andy Slavitt, who uh, served as acting administrator of CMS um, during the previous administration and certainly is a, a familiar voice um, doing a, a number of public education and information um, efforts. Uh, and, you know, other, other of our board members include uh, former Senator Bill Frist, um, you know, former governors, uh, Jim Douglas, a uh, Republican from Vermont, and former governor Steve Bashir, a Democrat from Kentucky. Um, but I would say, you know, frankly, the more interesting um, voices and perspectives in our network are, are some of the people that you might not have heard of, um, you know, who aren't uh, political or, you know, coming from a, um, a, a, an elected background. Uh, people like um, Elena Hung, who founded um, Little Lobbyists and, you know, is, is uh, representing herself and, and many other families with uh, children with medical complex needs and um, advocating on their behalf. Um, um, people like uh, Nicole Smith-Holt, who um, is a mom from Minnesota who lost her son to insulin rationing and turned that experience into 
action and advocacy around affordable access to uh, insulin. And what, you know, what we're trying to do is really make sure all those voices are at the table. You know, people um, who represent their experiences, um, not just as, you know, political actors or wonks or um, experts. Uh, we certainly have a number of those, but, you know, all of us bring our whole selves to this work, um, you know, our, our, ourselves as parents or patients or caregivers. Um, and, you know, the work that we do is trying to reflect all of those perspectives at the table, because we think that will make for stronger, more durable policies that people can count on being there when they need to access their health care. Do you have a particular model in mind? You know, are you working towards the Massachusetts model or the Vermont model? Um, we don't. We think, um, you know, we stay focused on our mission and on some underlying principles. Um, first, that everyone should have access to a regular source of care. Um, second, that no one should face financial hardship or have to make decisions between providing health care for themselves and their family and other needs in their lives. Um, and third, that policies should be um, politically durable and, you know, reflecting the needs of people um, so that they can count on the support that they need. Um, we don't, we think there are many ways to get there. We don't have just one um, model uh, or legislation that we are advancing. We think um, it's important to learn from, as I said, the experiences that states have um, on the ground as to what the implications of policies are. It's one thing to put a plan on paper, and it's really uh, important that we learn from the actual evidence of, of how it helps people. Does it meet its intended goals? And, and um, how do we make sure that we shape models that um, help the most people? When we talk about both sides coming together to find common ground, sometimes when uh, folks speak about the politics of this, they describe it as both sides being well-intended with different ways to get there, sort of many paths up the same mountain for better healthcare, some through more free markets and incentives and others through regulation and government programs. But there are times when you listen to the debate and it sounds like one side wants more people to have healthcare and the other side thinks that nature is just red in tooth and claw and trying to get people to pay for other people's anything is just childish and we shouldn't even try. It, do you have a sense that that makes you hopeful that everybody actually or enough people actually want to get to a good place on this? You know, I, I I'm certainly not uh, going to get uh, drawn into you know sort of the political um, machinations or sort of what the um, benefits of certain messaging are um, for political figures. What I do know is you know sort of what we've been hearing um, from people on the ground, um, as well as the many people in our network and beyond who have aligned behind the broad goal that everyone should have affordable health care. There's disagreement, certainly, about how to get there. Um, but what you know, I think is, has been really uh, interesting is, is also in this moment of crisis when the country is collectively um, facing a, a health care pandemic, um, it, it's really laying bare some of the gaps in the healthcare system that already existed. It is certainly putting more stress on the healthcare system, but the fact is there are gaps in people who don't have coverage, who can't afford to go to the doctor for a test or for preventive care. 
um, people who do have coverage but can't afford to use it. Um, you know, I think we've seen um, coming together around some of the solutions specifically targeted at COVID and, you know, certainly making sure that people can get tested and protect themselves by, um, by quarantining if needed um, are really important and urgent in this moment. But I think what we are seeing is that this crisis is showing many of the flaws in our healthcare system that existed long before this outbreak and that we collectively will need to come together to make better in order to move ahead together. Um, so, you know, I think this is a really uh, powerful moment when we're seeing that we're only, you know, as healthy and, and as a country, we're only as strong as our neighbors' ability to access care and our community's ability to follow guidelines um, that are for the collective good. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's a, it, it was really heartening to see certainly some of the uh, congressional action that took place um, with with unanimous support and, you know, uh, the ability for uh, focusing on how to help communities, how to help people who who don't have care or are losing their care because of the economic realities and, you know, keep the focus on that. Would you say that the United States of care has had to shift its priorities in the wake of COVID-19 or more that this is an opportunity to make clear what you've been advocating for already? It's a great, uh, great point. You know, I think this certainly um, made clear why we exist and why this mission is so critical. Um, not just now, but um, in a really amplified way right now. Um, you know, we did and and have pivoted our activities um, to meet the needs of the moment um, and, you know, sort of rooted in our organizational mission and principles, but um, making our activities really responsive and focused on supporting state and federal lawmakers, um, providing good public information, um, developing, sharing, amplifying resources and best practices um, to make recommendations as to how to meet both the immediate needs and looking ahead. You know, what are those um, what are those policy issues that uh, that communities and states and the federal government will need to to grapple with? When you talk about enacting these changes, what does that mean day to day? Is it about helping write legislation? messaging, uh, you know, bringing people together for informational sessions? What does it look like the way sure. you're trying to move the needle? Yeah, we have been, um, you know, creating policy menus and ideas. Um, we put forward a policy agenda um, for congressional uh, lawmakers. Uh, many of those ideas were uh, incorporated in the recent um, stimulus bill, and, and there's still certainly more work to be done at that level. Um, you know, we've uh, put together a checklist of best, best practices, um, what we're seeing states doing um, in a number of priority areas, you know, really trying to slow and stop the spread of the virus, uh, building the healthcare infrastructure and workforce needed and supporting those frontline workers, um, ensuring access to healthcare, both for those who um, have or may have COVID, and those losing their coverage as a result of the economic issues, um, you know, really focusing uh, on those communities and individuals most at risk, um, and uh, and laying the groundwork for the longer term approach, um, as I talked about for uh, for both 
healthcare as well as the recovery um, writ large. Uh, we have been providing um, phone briefings uh, for various um, policymakers, stakeholders, advocates um, to elevate best practices and expert voices. Um, we've uh, created a resource hub, um, which can be found at our website, unitedstatesofcare.org, um, that is uh, housing many of these um, best practices and playbooks that um, can inform um, actions. And, you know, also just sort of uh, playing a connector role, you know, whether it's um, matchmaking between policy needs and some of the experts that, uh, that want to be helpful or some of the more um, logistical needs from states. Uh, we've, we've partnered with Project N95, which is um, a tech solution to um, connect supply and demand of PPE um, and have been able to make some um, really successful quick connections um, for states raising those types of needs. So, you know, we've really tried to meet the moment by bringing our expertise, um, both in, in um, the policy solutions as well as in um, that sort of connecting and matchmaking um, availability. When I look at the level of the primary care practice, which is where Allidade's primary focus is, I, if, if we can get through this as a country, without too much awfulness, there may actually be a fair number of good things that come out of it as far as how physicians can practice, things like uh, telehealth, and there's some other regulations that have been cut through pretty quickly. Do you have a sense of hopefulness around the larger healthcare system, that there will be lessons for people that we can translate into better things after this? I, I do, and I am hopeful. Um, you know, I think this has both uh, laid bare some of the gaps in our system, but has also really been um, able to jumpstart some of the creativity and, and solutions that, you know, um, you, you know, you talked about telehealth. We've certainly heard from folks who were planning to slowly roll out telehealth availability over the course of the next several years that, you know, then that turned into over the course of 48 hours, <laughs> um, right? And, and recognizing um, that, that, uh, primary care providers are often the first place people turn with their healthcare concerns um, and are an important um, piece of the healthcare infrastructure, uh, both for those, you know, experiencing COVID symptoms, but also for millions of other Americans um, who, who look to those uh, providers as their, um, as their resource. They're going to be on the front lines as, as certainly as the listeners are experiencing and know. Um, and I, I think the practices that you work with and the accountable care organizations um, that are focused on high value care will be well suited to this challenge. Um, you know, many are already are already thinking about or using the strategies uh, that the rest of the healthcare system is is trying to move towards um, during this time, uh, whether it's telehealth or virtual care or you know innovative and targeted approaches to meet the needs of their. Um, complex patients um, and, you know, just sort of an innovative uh, spirit and willingness to, to really try whatever it takes to meet the needs of their patients. And I think that's an important um, uh, focus and culture that, uh, that I hope will uh, persist and be more uh, commonplace um, as we see our way through this epidemic. Yeah. So it sounds like you, your organization does see value-based care or outcomes-based care as part of the strategy of getting better care to more people. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly um, 
the uh, the the tactics that are that are providing the healthcare in a more you know customized and high value way are going to be a really important part of um, looking ahead to what the what the healthcare system should look like in you know sort of the next the next phase. In addition to your work with with politicians, sounds like uh, folks in business and entrepreneurship are also part of your strategy. Can you talk more about that? Sure. One of the exciting things um, about United States of Care is our ability to tap into a variety of voices and perspectives and expertise um, as we work to improve the healthcare system to be responsive to the needs of people. Um, we created an entrepreneurs council of um, executive level leaders who bring their creative, innovative ideas and, and practical problem solving approach um, to advise and support our work, um, allowing us to think differently um, from, you know, uh, just a just a policy shop um, and leverage their experience and perspective um, to advance our mission. Um, in a, you know, I think an important part of the theory of having everyone at the table um, includes not just those um, currently in office or formerly in office, but you know, there's no monopoly on good ideas. Um, and in addition to the entrepreneurs, another um, set of perspectives that we deeply value is uh, reflected in what we call the Voices of Real Life, uh, which is uh, another advisory council. Um, and the in individuals involved in the Voices of Real Life are from a variety of different backgrounds um, who guide and advise United States of Care's work of making policy recommendations um, that serves uh, individuals and, and communities. Emily Barson, Executive Director of the United States of Care, thank you for joining us and for tackling the important work your organization is doing. Thank you.